Have you ever met someone who literally uses the word literally with the persistence of a stereotypical teenager recounting the needlessly descriptive series of events leading up to why Becky is so annoying? The irony is, when folks do that, it's a subconscious attempt to sound smarter. But the over and misuse has the opposite of the desired effect. Though in some cases... I think the individual can, perhaps, be cut some slack and the blame be put squarely on society. Have you ever heard somebody say, I gotta hit up the ATM machine? Well, ATM stands for Automated Telling Machine. So those brainiacs just said that they're hitting up the Automated Telling Machine machine. It's redundant as is adducing your home to be a safe haven or your grandfather's cliched advice as an old adage. Because havens are safe and adages are old. The modifying adjective is inessential. First year anniversary should simply be first anniversary. And look, I'm no Al Bord Einstone, so don't think that I'm not guilty of this stuff myself. In fact, I'm sure you'll hear me make some of the very mistakes I will highlight today within the archives of Scattered Curiosities. But that's okay. We are learning together. I'm no expert of any discipline. Just a huge fan of CNC music factories, things that make you go, hmm. This is Unglish. As I said in the intro, I am a hundred percent culpable of corrupting legions of the illustrations that I will be discussing today. These particular paradigms are ones that have eluded me at one time or another in my life. For instance, have you ever unthawed frozen shrimp? Are you sure? Because to unthaw something means to refreeze it. We thaw frozen shrimp, but manifolds of bipeds cannot resist adding the un. Do you see how this episode is going to be? We're just getting warm. Speaking of, does your house have a hot water heater? No, it doesn't. It has a water heater. Hot water heater is, again, superfluous. And not to get too off topic here, but as a kid, I never understood what a water softener was. Because to me... Water already looked to be pretty soft, in liquid form anyway. Hard water ascribes to the higher levels of minerals like magnesium and calcium found within it and performs poorly at dissolving soap, which produces clogged pipes. Softening removes the positive ions that cause the congestive buildup with the help of solar salt rock salt, or evaporated salt. Keeping the efficiency and lifespan of your appliances steady 
while significantly reducing the chance of your pipes bursting, an expensive and possibly dangerous plumbing issue. Being proactive will help to avoid this near-miss accident. And even though you know what I mean when I say that, in reality, it should be called a near hit, shouldn't it? I practically have them every week because most people that ride their bikes in New York City do not heed traffic lights or stop signs. I've almost been clipped in several near-miss accidents. But the guy didn't nearly miss me. He nearly hit me. Hey, I'm walking here. A malapropism is a faction of language whereby somebody squanders a word by confusing it with a similar sounding one. This becomes particularly problematic when both are intelligible. For example, hunger pains and hunger pangs. The latter is correct, despite the fact that pang basically means pain. Same holds for deep-seated with a T versus deep-seated with a D. And falling by the wayside, also with a T, versus falling by the wayside, also with a D. A logical case can be presented for the application of all of them. When you entertain your ravenousness, you are said to be wetting, W-H-E-T-T-I-N-G, your appetite. But wet, W-E-T, works just as well. Your mouth waters when you're hungry, doesn't it? Similarly, the expression through the ringer isn't vocalized wrong, but is recurrently misspelled, omitting the lead letter W. W-R-I-N-G-E-R is a contraption that squeezes the excess water from hand wash clothes. Can you picture it? Now imagine yourself as the clothes being put through the ringer. Ghastlier than you previously thought, huh? How about all for not and all for not? Not, N-A-U-G-H-T, means nothing, lost, ruined, worthless, or obsolete. Not, N-O-T, is a refusal or denial. So I would assert that both are acceptable. And when speaking, it makes no difference which you wield. And I very much like how adding a tiny little Y to the end of not bestows you with an entirely different and undisputedly more fun word. Depending on how you spell it, toe the line can have two totally different meanings. One involves standing at the precipice of something with your toes barely touching the boundary, like when you're waiting to get through customs after a 12-hour flight. And the other illustrates something like a tugboat or a tow truck pulling a ship away from harbor or an unlawfully parked car to the impound lot. Speaking of breaking the law, Judas Priest is well known for living after midnight and their heavy metal anthem, You've Got Another Thing Coming. Now, I am not going to hold a rock band responsible for faultless idiom usage. 
But since that is what we are doing today, it may interest you to know that the dictum was originally another think coming. As in, if that's what you think, you've got another think coming. Again, I don't see a problem with thing being used. It makes perfect sense to me and has become such the norm that think with a K looks weird to me in writing as I stare at it now. And I can't even quantify the occasions that I have heard someone use old timers disease in place of Alzheimer's disease. It's almost adequate as the affliction is generally beset upon the elderly. Alzheimer's disease is named for the German psychiatrist and neuropathologist Dr. Alois Alzheimer, who worked at the Frankfurt Institute for the Insane and Epileptic at the beginning of the 20th century. Alois was the first to write about what he called pre-senile dementia, and once arranged for one of his patients, who had had difficulty paying bills at the institute, to be able to stay and receive treatment in exchange for her brain after she died. To study, guys. Come on, he wasn't Frankenstein. After conducting tests on her gray matter, he gave a lecture on pre-senile dementia to a convention of judgy psychiatrists that were far more interested in the speaker following Alzheimer, whose topic was compulsive masturbation. Sorry, guys. I could not possibly circumvent letting that fact slide by. Circumvent. To evade or get around a situation. Versus the oft-confused circumnavigate. The difference is pretty straightforward, considering that navigate is indicative of some kind of travel. So Ferdinand Magellan circumnavigated the globe. Well, almost. That story can be heard in our Season 3 premiere of Scattered Curiosities, Diplomatic Despots, and Enigmatic Eminences. Go check it out. Self-depreciating and self-deprecating confounds people because of the appreciate part. But don't forget that all-important D. A brand new car depreciates the second you drive it off the lot, pertaining to its dropped monetary value. Self-deprecating is to put oneself down. And at a glance on paper... And with my terrible eyesight, the two look pretty much the same with some of the letters jumbled around. But I have adopted this trick to remember which is which. Deprecate sounds like defecate, and doing it to yourself is shitty. Butt naked and buck naked are easy to mix up. Buck, with a K, naked, compares a young man to a male deer, or stag. Ever hear of a stag party? Though some sources I found indicate that buck is also a bigoted locution specifically targeting African Americans as inhuman beasts and something to be hunted. 
I fault no one for erroneously using but with naked in this malapropism, and would argue on its behalf to be forever changed. These two make a little more sense, however minuscule the sleight of tongue between them may be. Pawned off and palmed off. The second is correct. A grifter palms off something or swindles their rube in a game of three-card Monty. Nonetheless, if you pawned something off, it is likely that you are still going to get screwed in the transaction. More archaic is take a different track and take a different tack. I have only ever heard the first be put forth, but tack is a nautical term that indicates the side of a vessel the wind is on. I love the evolution of this apothem from the age of sail to the age of rail. That is not a bald face lie. Yes, bald face, not bold faced. Bald is emblematic of having bare or exposed elements to it. Barefaced lie is also admissible and avoids all perplexion, wouldn't you agree? Of course you do. Explaining things is my fort. You heard me right, my fort, not my forte. We plebeians have grown too accustomed to delivering this paragon wrong. Forte is only applicable when you are talking about music, where it is symbolized by an F, forte, FF, fortissimo, or FFF, fortississimo, loud, louder, loudest. Okay, the gloves are coming off now. Is it often or often? Nope, it is often. We are saying it wrong. For a jauntly charming lesson on the motif, allow me to recreate a scene from the Linda Ronstant, Kevin Klein, Angela Lansbury movie musical, The Pirates of Penzance, where the Pirate King is asked by the modern Major General in a deceitful ruse if he knows what it is like to be an orphan boy, to which the regal bandit replies in a delightfully British dialect, Orphan, causing the Major General to get clarification. Quote, When you say orphan, do you mean orphan, a person who has lost his parents, or orphan, frequently? End quote. And it takes the daughter-thieving marauder a few seconds to process the befuddlement. But the point of this tangent is that often should sound like orphan with a British accent. There, I made it even more complicated. Moving on. What's next? Oh, great. Latin, a commodious dead language that crops up all over our modern lexicon. Here's some Latin we've all appropriated. Etc. That's et, E-T, cetera meaning and the rest, not X, E, X, cetera, 
though I understand why multitudes mistakenly endow it with the X sound, because numerous X vocables allude to more of something, like extra, expand, exalt, excite, expect, exude, exhale, exhibit, expand, explode, exist, exotic, expose, which could all very well refer to the rest. But it is counterfactual. Bonus Latin, et al, is abridged Latin for et alia, meaning and others. Growing up in the Midwest, I've heard both coldslaw and coleslaw given as the name for a chopped cabbage side dish. Now, I have never eaten warm slaw, if that's even a thing, so an individual presenting cold slaw as the name for the popular mayonnaise-filled delicacy that is usually served cold does have some condescence to it. Let's mash up reward and award with infamous and famous. The FBI offers a reward for information leading to the capture of an infamous outlaw. Hollywood offers an Academy Award to the famous thespian portraying that outlaw in the biopic. The main difference being that infamous takes on negative connotations and rewards generally involve cash. Continuous versus continual can be tricky, but not if you remember that us, O-U-S, is never-ending. Continual means it starts and it stops. The universe is continuous, we think. The Walking Dead is continual, we know. These two are regularly used alongside one another, so it's good to refresh ourselves with respect to slander versus libel. Slander is a false statement that is spoken, while libel is written. And if you associate LIB with library, a building full of written statements, you'll never mix the two up. I have notoriously abused ultimate and penultimate for years because to me, penultimate always implied being the best or last on the grounds that, well, it's longer. If you are the same, it may shock you to learn that penultimate actually means second to last but does not mean second best. In this case, regarding letters, less is more and ultimate is the best or final. Poisonous and venomous get flustered too, but can be plainly understood. Poison is something you eat or touch, like rat poison or poison ivy. Venom is injected, like snake or bee venom. And if you envision the letter V, it kinda looks like the pointed tip of a snake's fang or a bee's stinger. 
an abounding percentage of the population believes that amused and bemused are interchangeable, but they are not. I'm amused by the aloof moron that falls down a utility hole while walking down the street immersed in their iPhone, but bemused why they don't use it to call for help, choosing instead to post the mishap on Facebook and Instagram. Bemused means confused. It just gets alphabetically worse. Viable and feasible are also substituted for one another by the proletariat, but can be readily discerned by examining the root of viable. If you have ever done a crossword puzzle, you know that vi, V-I-E, is to compete for something or survival. Hence, feasible is the go-to lexeme when deducing whether or not something is possible. Like, opening a Starbucks in the middle of the Mojave Desert is feasible, but from a cost-to-gain ratio, not viable. I probably don't need to point it out, but regretful literally means full of regret, while regrettable adheres to something that is unfortunate. All of the plastic sea trash threatening marine life is regrettable, and the planet's populace will be regretful when it is too late to do anything about it. Going back to the idea that us is never-ending, so is the plight of mortals to achieve harmonious enlightenment. Therefore, judicious means wise. As wisdom requires the wise to always be learning and evolve their opinions as facts and trends change, judicial deals with legal resolutions and has a tendency to be unwise and political. And it reminds me of the English lesson that Dean Wormer's wife gives in the 1978 John Landis screwball comedy National Lampoon's Animal House. When Otter utters to Wormer's wife, I think vegetables can be very sensuous, don't you? And Marion replies, No, vegetables are sensual. People are sensuous. Still want to show me your cucumber? And while we're at the grocery store, you know those reddish purple berries from the Amazon, spelled A-C-A-I, that people are repeatedly garbling the name of in all sorts of ways, like Akasi, Asai, and Akai? Well, if you really want to be the most pretentious living soul in the Whole Foods organic produce section, you need to say it right and with confidence. Acai. Say it with me now. Acai. Or, if you want to impress a snooty musician with some trivia, watch him cringe when you call the flute player in the orchestra pit a flutist instead of a flautist. Indeed, flautist is proper nowadays, but flutist used to be the way that it was said as far back as 1603. Flautist 
didn't come into fashion until 1860. But flautist sounds fancier and is currently correct. So use that one. Though humankind still cannot come to grips with how to phonate the abbreviation for graphics interchange format, G-I-F. Half of you are going to fight me on this, but the guy that invented them has flat out said that it is pronounced GIF as a tribute to GIF peanut butter. I'll have crunchy. Don't even talk to me about no creamy PB. What are you, five? One thing I love about Twitter is how it forces writers to get to the point by limiting their characters. A good practice for speakers to exercise as well. If you keep this concept in mind, you will never go astray when deciding between mischievous with three syllables and mischievous with four. The shorter, more transient version is usually the righteous one. Yep, transient, two syllables, not transient with three. When touching upon your particular area of expertise, you might allege something like, playing poker is really my niche. Although it should be noted that niche is also copacetic and actually came first. And whether you prefer either over either, both are up to snuff. But the dictionary favors the first. Did you know diphtheria, a fiercely contagious bacterial disease, is not pronounced diphtheria? Because it uses a digraph, which is when two consonants are combined into one sound. In this scenario, the PH makes the voiceless labiodental fricative F sound, as in phone, phantom, pharmacy, phase, pheasant, phlegm, photo, physics, phonograms, or phallic. So we really should be saying diphtheria. And here is a quick list of honorable mentions. Cavalry, not calvary. Dilate, not dilate. Especially, not especially. Ask, not axe, although that one's changing. Nuclear, not nuclear. Orient, not orientate. Applicable, not applicable. Espresso, not expresso. Foyer, not foyer. I have no idea how this one got started because it's literally spelled foyer. Gala, not gala. Gyro, not gyro. Cash, not cachet. Sherbet, not sherbert. Status, not status. Safe deposit box, not safety deposit box. Daylight saving time, no S at the end of saving. And finally, Ku Klux Klan, not Ku Klux Klan. Listen, I am not a fan of the hateful organization and do not endorse them in any way. I'm guessing you don't either. 
But if you are going to hate a thing and protest it, you should properly divulge the name of the thing you are hating. Thus concludes your English lesson. Now go out there and forget everything I just said. So I didn't realize until I started doing the rough edit that I recorded the second to last draft of this episode, which did not include the short section that I had written about contronyms. And I tried to Frankenstein it into my narrative, but it just didn't sound right. So I made it an addendum. Enjoy. A contronym is a word that takes on two meanings that are totally opposite or contradictory of one another. For example, bound can adumbrate either tied up or to jump. Dusting means to add dust or remove it from something. Drawing the curtains indicates opening or shutting them. I can sanction use of the Scattered Curiosities logo with my approval or execute sanctions against you for its appropriation. And execute is another contronym, which alters between bringing something to action or killing it. If you buckle a belt, you are fastening it. But if your knees buckle, you fall. A custom is a commonplace ritual, like bowing in Japan, whereas a custom-made suit is one of a kind and not common. Ever had fine dining that was just fine? Fixing a leak and fixing your pet have two different definitions, don't they? Along with handicap, which is an advantage in sports, but a disadvantage in life. And these are but a mere sampling of contronyms available to you, which are excellent tools for poetry and songwriting. If you'd like to help us keep the curiosities coming, Please rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to visit scatteredcuriosities.com for exclusive free downloads and to donate to the show.